Today, as I mentioned earlier, we contemplate Psalm 32 for our instruction and learning penned by David uh, in the Psalms. In particular, uh, that, that third section there, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today we're going to consider the effect of sin and what David teaches us and also St. Paul in regards to our conscience. You see there, Paul in Romans 13, part of the reason we obey the authorities over us, not just government, right? Romans 13 is famous for this, for it's about how we deal with our authorities, our government. But remember, as we memorized in the fourth commandment, the authorities, it's not just the government, but it's also our parents, our, our pastor, whatever authority that is placed over us, Paul says if, to think about your conscience, that sin and disobeying authority, it hurts your conscience. It hurts our conscience in a couple of ways. We can become callous in our rep repetition of sin, thinking we get away with a crime or whatever, and we can become calloused. And, and we can't make a right judgment on what is right or wrong. Also, another effect on our conscience that sin has is that it can cause us to be depressed, it can weigh us down, it can cause us anxiety. And so the words today from David I thought were very, very helpful and very fitting. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Because our Lord has not left us to deal and manage with our sins. This is why he sent his son Jesus. As you see, as the psalm continues, David says he confesses and God takes his burdens. He takes the heaviness that he carries around with him and he places it on the shoulders of Jesus. And Jesus dies carrying all of our sin and all the effects of our sin. And he says, fear not, you have no reason to worry. One of the most intriguing aspects of the human experience is you, you see and hear about this in the news every once in a while, but it's when a criminal just can't help but brag about a crime he committed. Can't keep it inside. Many times a criminal will get away, he'll avoid capture for a crime he commits. Sometimes days, months, even years after he's committed the crime. But he gets caught because he just couldn't help but brag that he committed a particular crime. If you remember the movie Shawshank Redemption, this was a major turning point in that movie when the, the main character who you don't really know throughout the movie until this point, you don't know if he really committed the crime he's put in jail for. But a, a new prisoner who comes to Shawshank, where this, this unknown main character is, is held in detention, this new prisoner says he was at another prison and he heard a criminal confess to the very crime that our main character is serving time for. There's just something about our fallen human nature that likes to brag about getting away with crime. Whether it's a prisoner in the government or a teenager who thinks they can disobey their parents. They brag about it to their friends and 
pretty soon their friends spill the beans to their parents. Or a bank robber, after he commits a crime, goes to the bar to have a celebratory beer, ends up being five or six, and he tells everyone, drinks are on me, I got away with the crime of the century. I'm the Manhattan Flash. David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. I think there are two ways to consider this phenomenon that David teaches us and that we know by human experience. First, there's the sinner who sins and just can't keep it quiet. He brags about his crime. Second, there's the sinner who sins and their conscience is so burdened they have to offload it somewhere. Their conscience won't let them be silent. In both of these instances, we realize that sin is much more powerful than we are. The context of Psalm 32 is important for us. It's when King David is confronted with his unfaithfulness in his marriage, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, but that wasn't just the only sin. David's conscience was seared. He didn't want to confess and and. His conscience is so seared that then he has Bathsheba's husband Uriah murdered to cover up his crime. David thought he had gotten away with both crimes. However, Nathan the prophet was sent by God and he pointed out to David that God knows and sees all things. David's sin was not just against his fellow Israelite. It was against God. There's no such thing as a private sin. There's no such thing as a sin just between you and another person. It's an offense, it's a crime in God's court. God knows and sees all things. David finally realizes the wickedness of his sin. He now clearly sees he had to do something with this heavy load, this heavy heavy load of sin. His conscience was crushed when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. When David kept silent, when he looked inside himself, there was nothing he could do to remedy this sin. He couldn't undo his crimes. He couldn't stop thinking about it. Sin's power was too much for him. The weight and the power of the sin he committed was crushing his bones. He had to find an answer. Sin is that powerful. Perhaps you felt it yourself. David was a king, a man who was the envy of all men. He defeated nine-foot Goliath, but now he faces a Goliath that cannot be measured. His own sin. A Goliath that couldn't be struck with a rock an armor that can't be pierced by any spear, no sword that could decapitate him. A Goliath that stands over all of us. Sin. And this once brave, strong king who could manage Goliath now has a Goliath of his own making that he can't deal with. 
His conscience cannot stand up in battle. It's fought too many times. He's worn out. He's done. He's ready to die. Keeping silent was the only way he thought he could manage. But now he confesses, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. So our text today from Psalm 32 addresses the sin of thinking that we can manage sin. That maybe our, our only problem is that we, need, we just need to be taught the right things to do. That if we just get our act together, we won't, we won't be so bad. If we just manage our sin. But sin will hurt your conscience. It will make everything else taste bad. Like drinking orange juice after brushing your teeth. Or you you may be able to manage it for a while, like driving with a flat tire, but eventually you're going to have a blowout. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. We can also think that we can manage sin, not just by by putting it away and not confessing it. We think we can manage sin when we get away with it. But like the criminal who thinks he gets away with murder, he has to brag. I I think this is one of the lessons we learn, is that bragging, that is also sin's power over us, is it feeds our pride. And the proud person, when they get away with a sin, they can't help but brag. And it's, it's a twisted sort of way of confession of trying to offload something that they know is wrong and is weighing heavily on them. They think they're managing the sin. They think they've gotten away with it, but sin is more powerful than us. Sin is stronger than you. The devil is smarter than you. And on top of that, he hates you. The devil hates you. He hates your children. He hates your friends. And he wants to separate you. He wants to drive divisions between you and your family, you and your friends, you and your church. Because the devil hates you. And if he he just has to give you a little bit of pleasure for the moment, he's fine with doing that. You should have what you deserve, he says. To hell with everyone else. Sin is, is Goliath. It's not manageable. It must be killed. Solomon, the son of David, says, can you carry fire in your hands and not get burned? This is why the devil tempts you to sin. He isn't really standing around trying to get you to just say, hey, I don't believe anymore. I give up. The devil isn't isn't trying to get you to murder millions of people or embezzle billions of dollars. The devil knows that the danger of sin is to hurt your conscience, to crush your bones. The devil, all he cares about is getting you to sin. So what do we do? Do we keep trying to bury that heavy sin? Do we try, is keeping silent the answer to this? That doesn't, that doesn't work with our earthly debts. That doesn't work with anything else, even though it, it's tempting. When you try to keep silent, this burden will lead you to anxiety, will lead you to doubt. David tried to hide his sin of adultery. That led to his seared conscience, so much so that this upright man of God 
was willing to murder an innocent man that served him in his own military. When I kept silent, my conscience became calloused. These are the warnings that David, by the Holy Spirit, teaches us today to not play with sin. When you keep silent, considering your sins, your conscience can become dull. And then you can also become weighed down. But David also teaches us the faithfulness of God and what he did to Goliath and what he does to sin. Because just as, just as David stood up and God fought Goliath, so now a son of David, another king who steps onto the battlefield on our behalf, yet unlike David, this king does not keep silent. But this God who is spirit, the God who's eternal, this God took flesh upon himself so that he could be born under the same law that you and I are. He became flesh so he could walk into the courtroom with us on our behalf so that he could claim our sins as his. He who knew no sin became our sin, that we would be his righteousness. King Jesus had no sin to confess, but what did he do? He took every one of your sins, all of David's sins. He took the sins of the whole world. He shared in flesh and blood with every human. And Jesus takes the death sentence for your crimes. He didn't keep silent. But our sins were placed on him, and he said, Father, your will be done. Now imagine that. Look at that, look at that picture. And I think this is one of the beautiful unintended lessons that that movie Shawshank Redemption teaches us. The crimes that you have committed, somebody else takes the fall for it. And you are declared innocent. You don't serve one minute. Jesus is arrested for your crimes. He's crucified for your sin. Jesus is the one who serves time on your behalf, agonizing on that cross for you to go free. So that you would not even step one foot in the prison of death and yet he didn't work for his own release because he trusted in his heavenly father to raise him. And he did. After the sentence is completed and fulfilled, Jesus was raised. Because your death sentence, your sins could not hold your king, just like Goliath could not hold David. And death is decapitated. The rock that as Jesus Christ has struck your sin right in the forehead, and down has the mighty fallen. That's why we do not keep silent today. This is why our church service, it's a little different than many other church services you might see or attend. We confess our sins. We say this very psalm. I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions. And what does God do? You forgave the iniquity of my sin. 
And look how, look how David continues. So therefore, let everyone who's godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. This is why we come to God's house where we just read, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am. We come here because we're also told that when the waters come, we will not be able to find God. This is why we come to God now. This is why, we, why Jesus wants you to find him. Jesus wants you to be able to come to him to have your consciences restored. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus forgives you now in real time so that your conscience would not, would not be burdened anymore. And the calluses that maybe you've, you've started to form, he peels them off so that nothing can cause you doubt nor anxiety. There is no Goliath anymore, my friends. There is nothing for you to worry about. You don't need to sit and plan and escape from any prison of sin because in Christ Jesus, you are free. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a hiding place for me, David says. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. David's preservation, David's place of hiding is that he's surrounded with shouts of deliverance. David's assurance is outside himself. He doesn't look to his own heart to find peace. He looks where God testifies for him. God testifies to his innocence, his deliverance. Baptism is God calling you his own, declaring you innocent. The Lord's Supper, he says, you're free. The absolution, you're released from all guilt. These are God's shouts of deliverance for you. So let Psalm 32 be a reminder. Let David teach you. Sin is too much for us to manage. It can sneak up on you. So as Jesus said to the woman, go and sin no more. Don't dabble in sin. But God does desire to forgive you when you do. To strengthen you, to put your conscience at ease. Yeah, he knows your crimes. He knows the ones even you don't know. He knows your mistakes. And he still says, in my son Jesus, you're free because I love you. And he desires you to tell others. If criminals by their sinful flesh are, are motivated to, to go and brag about getting away with crime, how much more should we as freed sanctified Christians be willing to speak of the mercies of our God, to brag not, not that we got away with crimes, but that our Savior was willing to take the fall for every one of our sins. We don't brag how, how smart we are, but we boast in the mercy of God. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.